0: Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the 1-80.org. Do you see the title of the message on the screen today? That is not a misspelling. J-O-N. A little story will help you understand why that title. I was in 24-hour fitness. It was uh, about five miles from my home in Oregon, and I would go there to swim laps on a regular basis. And so one day after swimming laps, I'm uh, getting dressed uh, in the dressing room. There was another fellow there, and he had a tattoo on his arm. And so I said to him, what is that tattoo about? It says John 3.16, but it was spelled J-O-H-N, 3.16. And he said, oh, that's nothing. I said, well, it it was something at one time you had it put on your arm. Well, I don't remember. And I said, well, you remembered one time it was important enough to put it on your arm. Well, it just means that everyone's going to be saved. And I said, you are right. Everyone who puts their trust in Jesus is going to be saved. And he said, well, I'm not a preacher. I just, I just had him put it on my arm. I said, well, thank you. You are putting the word out to others for the salvation of Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm contributing something. I'm not just a taker. And I said, well, thank you for contributing. It makes a difference. What is your name? He said, my name is John, J-O-N. And I said, okay, I'm going to remember that. J-O-N, 316. Thank you, John, for doing your part in reminding me about Jesus and his salvation. We talked a few more minutes about a few other things. As we tied our shoes, we started to walk out the door. He started to turn one way, I was going another, and he says, hey, thanks for noticing. You know, somehow I get the idea that John might have had some difficult times in his past, some times of discouragement that led him to not say anything, but he had at one time written, had tattooed on his arm, John 3.16. And as we talked, I seemed to see the light coming back on in John's face and an openness to talk about something that at first he didn't want to talk about. I am sure glad that I met John that day. And that was a few years back. I haven't seen him since, but I hope to meet him again, see him again someday because of John 3.16. We can all Look forward to meeting that John that I met that day because God loves us and he wants us to be a part of his eternal kingdom. Life has a way of throwing discouragements at us, doesn't it? Life has a way of other things coming in and clouding the way between us and God. We need to be intentional on making sure that that doesn't happen. A few days after meeting John, I was in a meeting at the Adventist Medical Center in uh, Portland, Oregon, not too far from the church where I was pastoring at the time, and the pastors uh, group were meeting there, and the director of uh, chaplain services had a few thoughts before uh, we got into the business of the day. He was reading a quote from a fellow by the name, he told us, was Aiden. Wilson Tozier. Now, I had heard the name Tozier before. Have you heard Tozier? This is what he read. He said, Modern civilization is so complex as to make the devotional life all but impossible. It wears us out by multiplying distractions and beats us down by destroying our solitude, where otherwise we might drink and renew our strength before going out to face the world again. Would you agree with Mr. Tozier? A.W. Tozier is how he's known. Does the world have a way of getting in the way? I think it's a fair description of the world that we live in. But actually, Tozier wasn't talking about today. Tozier died in 1963. That was was almost 60 years ago, wasn't it? He was describing the world of the 1950s. And I'll tell you, if the world of the 1950s had its distractions, we really have our distractions today, don't we? The uh, director of chaplaincy continued to read. The thoughtful soul to solitude retires, said the poet of other and quieter times. But where is the solitude to which we can retire today? Science, which has provided men with certain material comforts, has robbed them of their souls by surrounding them with a world hostile to their existence. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, is a wise and healing counsel. But how can it be followed in this day of the newspaper, the telephone, the radio, and the television? He stopped short, didn't he? because he was in the 1950s. What else could we add? Cell phones, the, the computer, the internet. These modern playthings like pet, cup, pet tiger cubs have grown so large and dangerous that they threaten to devour us all. What was intended to be a blessing has become a positive curse. No spot is now safe from the world's intrusion. About a week ago, I, I, I woke up and I was tired. I didn't want to get out of bed because that night I kept waking up and I would just lay there hoping to go back to sleep. And after a little while, I guess I would drift off to sleep because a little bit later, I would wake up and I would just lay there. And Sherry was rolling around. She told me the next morning uh, that, that she didn't sleep well too. We would wake up and roll over and try and get comfortable and lay there, both of us. Was it something we ate? We eat too late? What was it? Neither one of us had a good night's rest. Talking to some people during the day, I've found out several other people had the same experience. That night, they hadn't slept well at all. Maybe you didn't sleep well that night either. It was the night of January 6th the night that the riot went into the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol building. I didn't stop to think about it. I had no clue that watching the news for an hour before I went to bed was going to ruin what I was hoping was going to be a good, peaceful night's sleep. In fact, several people have said, you know, I haven't slept good since that night. I wake up, I'm disturbed, and I'm worried about what's going to happen in this country. Tozer was right. The world is slipping in and taking away our peace and our solitude i had heard the name tozier before before that day at at the meeting there at uh, portland adventist medical center but i was interested in what was read to us and so i went back i went online and searched and here's some things that i found out about him arden wilson tozier was an American Christian pastor, preacher, author, magazine editor, and spiritual mentor. For his work, he received two honorary doctorate degrees. Among more than 40 books that he authored, at least two are regarded as Christian classics. Have you ever heard of the book, The Pursuit of God? Or perhaps the book, The Knowledge of the Holy? His books, I read... His books were written to impress on the reader the possibility and the necessity for a deeper relationship with God. Now, that's some good things to write about. When, and I learned this also. He was, a, he was raised in Akron, Ohio. And while he was on his way home from work as a teenager one day uh, at a tire factory where he worked, he heard a street preacher. He stopped and he listened and the preacher said, if you don't know how to be saved, just call on God. Well, Tozier was impressed by that. So he went home and he climbed up into the attic of his house to be all alone and quiet and closer to God than on the, than on the ground floor. He went up there and he prayed and he gave his life to Jesus. And uh, in 1919, five years after his conversion, without ever going to school to get a theological degree, he was hired to be a pastor of the first church that uh, he pastored in. And that began a 44-year ministry associated with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, a Protestant evangelical denomination. In 1950, He was elected as editor of the Alliance Weekly, which is the official publication of the church he was a part of, the Christian Missionary Alliance. And in his first editorial, dated June 3 of 1950, I want you to hear what he wrote. It will cost something to walk slow in the parade of the ages, while excited men of time rush about confusing motion with progress, but it will pay in the long run. Slow down. Slow down is the context. Be still and know that I am God. That was his focus, and that's what he wrote books about. These words spoke to my heart. I was impressed with these few thoughts that I read, and so I I did a search, and I found out the book, The Pursuit of God. I could download it, a free download, and I downloaded it, and I read half that book that day. It was good. I encourage the writings of A.W. Tozier to any of you. The meeting of John and the 24-Hour Fitness, and a couple of days later, hearing about A.W. Tozier and his emphasis on the importance and the necessity of us having an ongoing, continual relationship with Jesus spoke to my heart and inspired the message that I'm sharing with you this morning. So I want to go back to John 3.16. I've referred to it several times. It's been in my sermon the last two times. I promise I'll move on to another text a little bit later. But let's look at it. Open your Bibles to there. Take your phones, your devices to John 3.16. We're going to be in John 3 just a little bit here today. Words of Jesus. Jesus himself said, explaining to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Yet his brother James wrote something that may sound a little bit different. James chapter 2 verses 19 and 20. Listen to what James wrote. He said, you believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe. And they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So, so there must be more to believing than believing. In verse 20, James used another word, a synonym for the word belief. Did you catch it there? I'm looking on the screen, I see it, the first word on the last line. The synonym of faith, uh, the synonym of belief, is faith. James says, faith without works is dead. There's a difference between the believing of the devils and the believing of those who are saved, because the believing of those who are saved can also be called faith. But the believing of the devils is not faith they know but they've turned away from god one day a group of people asked jesus a question on this topic we find it in john 6 verse 28 and jesus's answer in verse 29 then they said to him what shall we do that me that we may work the works of god an interesting question james says faith without works is dead they ask, what shall we do that we may work the works of god and Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, wait a minute. We seem to be going in circles. Believe and you'll have eternal life. The belief we're talking about is faith. Faith without works is dead, and the works of faith is to believe. Did, did, are we going in circles? Well, to untangle this back in John 3, We're going to go to the two verses before verse 16. Jesus led up to this powerful and well-known text about the love of God sending His Son. Jesus led up to it talking to Nicodemus, and He referred to something that Nicodemus knew about. He referred to something that happened after God, through Moses, had led the Israelites away from slavery in Egypt, they were still in the wilderness, and it was not an easy place to live. And they had started grumbling and complaining, and they were upset. And they even said, "We don't like the manna that God's giving us. We like the food we had in Egypt better." Why didn't you? Why didn't you leave us there? Ah, these ungrateful people. Well, while they're complaining and while they're grumbling, in uh, Numbers twenty-one they got they were bit by snakes now John 3:14 and 15 this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so people are being bit by the snakes and these were deadly snakes Fiery serpents, they were called. You got bit by one, there was a good chance you were going to die. And people were dying. And God told Moses a strange thing because the people complained to Moses. Moses went to God and said, God, what's go- what's happening? We need your help. Save us. Save the people. Yes, they're complaining and they're grumbling. And they're ungrateful. But please, God, save them. And God told Moses to do a really strange thing. He told him to have someone make a snake out of metal, uh, a brass snake, and attach it to a pole and put the pole up and tell anyone who gets bit to come look at the pole, and if they look at the pole, they'll live. They'll be healed. Well, that sounds like a really strange cure, doesn't it? But it worked. In fact, it was the only thing that worked. They had to look, and unless they believed, they wouldn't go look, right? If someone tells you you need to go do something and, and something's going to happen and you don't believe them, you're not going to go do it. Unless they acted on that belief, stepping out in faith and looking at that brass snake, they would die. They could say, oh, I believe what Moses said, but if they didn't act on it and go look at the snake, they would die. They could say, oh, I know looking at it helps my neighbor got bit and he went and looked and he's Okay. But if they didn't go and they were bit, they were going to die, right? They would die unless they put their faith to work and went to see the brass snake for themselves. They could know all about brass snakes. But unless they went and looked at that brass snake on that pole, they would die. The only way to live was to look at it with their own eyes, to personally experience what God was calling them to do. So... In the context of looking and believing, we have John 3.16. So when Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, it was not about making a mental assent, a mental acceptance. Oh yeah, I believe that Jesus is God. It was more than that. It was about a conviction that acts itself out by looking, not just one glance, but a lifetime of looking, a lifetime of focus, trusting God and faithfully following the path that he leads us on. And as you think about that, I want you to realize that Jesus knew. Before Jesus was born here on this earth, before he was born as a baby, he knew about that day he was going to be crucified, didn't he? That snake in the wilderness represented him on the cross. I've got a message, then we're going to explore and dig into that one more on another day. Jesus knew, but he came anyway. In fact, that's why he came. He came to suffer, and he came to die, crucified on the cross. Two weeks ago... I shared uh, that one day as I was reading about the crucifixion of Jesus and visualizing that suddenly as I looked around, I discovered the Holy Spirit right there at the cross. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all present doing their part in our salvation, their part in making sure that we could be redeemed from sin, rescued from Satan, and have eternal life but where was the Holy Spirit? Have any of you thought about that? Have you found the Holy Spirit? Where was Jesus? On the cross. Where was the Father? We're told that. Hidden in the darkness of the clouds, allowing the separation of righteousness and sin to take place that ultimately caused Jesus to die. But where was the Holy Spirit? Well, I have a story for you in John, not John, Matthew. In Matthew, that is going to lead into the answer of where the Holy Spirit was. In Matthew, one day Jesus asked the disciples a question. uh, Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. He asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Some prophet from the past has come back. Uh, They have different ideas. So he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter spoke up, quick to speak up, one of the first. I like that about him. Now, this is what I want you to pay close attention to. It's verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What did Jesus say? Peter? Yes, that's the right answer. You have it right. Jesus was the Christ. He was the promised Redeemer. But Jesus said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. In other words, you didn't figure this out on your own. It takes more than just our own mental abilities to figure out and understand who Jesus is. God had opened Peter's eyes, we might say, to this reality. It was a spiritual thing, understood. Paul talks about this spiritual understanding in 1 Corinthians. Listen to what he says in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 2. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So spiritual things are spiritually understood. Is that what we just read? And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us spiritual insight and understanding of those spiritual things. So at the cross, there was someone else who said what Peter had said in answer to Jesus' question. Who do you say that I am? At the cross, someone said who Jesus was. Do you remember who it was? There was a thief. That recognized Jesus and said, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said, I promise you today, you will be with me in paradise. I love that. I love that. All it takes is calling upon Jesus and we're saved. There was someone else. Listen to this from Mark 15, verse 39. One other person. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Wow. Spiritually things, spiritual things, spiritually discerned because the Holy Spirit was right there at the foot of the cross working on the heart of that centurion. A little bit earlier, working on the heart of that thief. The Holy Spirit was right there, in fact, doing his part to save the very man who was in charge of having Jesus killed. Can you imagine that? While Jesus was being killed, the Holy Spirit was saving the centurion. I hope we get to meet that centurion someday. I hope this conviction led to his walk in faith. That will last for all eternity. What a wonderful God we serve as we understand His love and what He did for us. I want to go back to something else that A.W. Tozier wrote in his book, The Pursuit of God. Listen to this. I'm going to ask you if you followed it. The doctrine of justification by faith, a biblical truth, has in our time fallen into evil company and been interpreted by many in such a manner as to actually bar men from the knowledge of God. Did you follow that? What he's saying is the way that many are taught the good news of salvation and how to be saved is actually getting in the way of getting to know God. How? Because they are taught that we're saved simply by saying, I believe. Yet, within their hearts, there's no special love for Jesus, no hunger or thirst for God. I remember a number of years ago, um, a lady came to the uh, church office where I was there in Oregon, and she said, Pastor, will you baptize me? And I said, that's a wonderful way to start a conversation. Tell me, what's on your heart? And she said, my, my mom died a couple of months ago, and I promised her before she died that I would be baptized. Will you baptize me? And I said, I look forward to that day happening. Can we set up some times to talk together? About what? Well, tell me about Jesus. I don't really know anything about the Bible. I just want to be baptized. I promised my mom I would be baptized. Well, what does baptism mean to you? Well, it, it means I kept my promise to my mom, and it means that 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 I'll I'll be in heaven with her. That's what she told me. And I said, as we trust in God, as we come to know Him, that is true. Can we set up a time that we can talk together? And she said, I just want to be baptized. And I said, well let's make an appointment so that we can explore and help you grow in your understanding. Because I think mom wanted you to have everything that's involved with that. A few weeks later, I was in pastoral and meetings of pastors in the area. And one of them said, Hey, I had a great experience uh, last week. A lady came to me during the week and asked me, would I baptize her? And I said, absolutely. So I baptized her last Sunday. I said, Oh, was her name? And he said, yeah, that's who it was. And in fact, he didn't say last Sunday. He said it was several weeks before that he did because I said, have you seen her since? And he said, no, I haven't seen her since. God wants more than just for us to get wet being baptized. God wants more than us just to say, oh, I believe I'm busy. I've got other things to do. God wants more. God wants a relationship with us. Many of us, maybe even us, have been lulled into the dangerous thinking that if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we no longer need to seek Him, when in reality, seeking Him is something we must never stop doing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when He said, seek first, He wasn't saying, do this and then go on to do other things. He was say, saying, make this your number one priority. The first thing in your list of priorities. Seeking God today, tomorrow, and always. God promised, written in Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen, you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, and we can find God anew every day and learn new and wonderful things about Him every single day. Seek to know God and be with Him every day. I remember the day I attended an AA meeting with my friend Duane. He specifically invited me because at that time, that was his anniversary six years clean from alcohol and drugs. And he was just so excited. It's been six years already. And uh, in AA, they have a coin with another number on it. And after five years, he was turning in his five-year coin, and he was going to get a six-year coin that he carried with him every day to remind him that number seven is coming. He's received, I think, number 12 or 13 by now. But this was... This was number six that he wanted me to go to. And he had some words that he was going to share that day in the AA meeting. And he had planned them. And so I listened and I jotted down some of what he had to say because it touched my heart. This is how he began talking to the others at the meeting that day. He said, with God, we can be victorious over every addiction. And we all have addictions. We're all sinners. He talked about it a little bit, and there was another point he wanted to make, and he got to this point. He said, God is not just a higher power. Now, that was something that perhaps wasn't always said in an AA meeting. Find your higher power. Who is your higher power? Higher power? That's up to you. But Duane's talking about God, and he said... God is not just a higher power. God is a being with personality, and you can know him because I've met him. Oh, Dwayne touched my heart that day. Dwayne is a good friend. Dwayne, you're right. Salvation, in essence, is a response of beings created with personality to the creator with personality, and we can come to know God the same as we know each other. That's what Jesus was saying, recorded in John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We can know God. The Bible assumes as a self-evident fact that we can know God with the same closeness that we can know each other. I can know God as close as I know my wife. You can know God... As close as you know your mom or dad. We can know God. God created within us the ability to experience Him with the same reality that our senses detect the world around us. God gave us five senses to detect the world around us, right? Can you help me with them? What are they? Touch? Taste? Taste? Sound, hearing, we've practiced that today. Smell. I left off one. Sight, there we go. God gave us these senses, and through these senses, we detect the world around us. I'm here to tell you, God also created within us the ability to to, to detect and to know and experience the presence of the spiritual. He gave us spiritual faculties through which we can know God, through which we can hear His voice, through which we can see His hand at work. It's there within us. God calls us to be still and to know that I am God. When we commit our time and ourselves to God, committed to following His holy word, a new set of eyes, you might say, a, spirit, a set of spiritual eyes are given to us that we can open our eyes and we can see and we can understand the Spirit and see God. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And believing is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It's lifting our minds to behold the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist called him, and never ceasing to behold for the rest of our lives. With today's distractions, it may be hard to keep our attention focused on Jesus, but the more we do, the easier it gets. Make it your plan. Be intentional. Spend time in prayer every day. Open your Bibles and read in your Bibles every day and listen to God speaking to your hearts. That's what Jesus was explaining that day when he said those who believe will have eternal life. Because with Jesus, belief wasn't just a passive word. Belief is an action word. I want to end with one last quote from A.W. Tozier. I like this one. When we lift our inward eyes to gaze upon God, we're sure to meet friendly eyes gazing back at us. For it is written that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. God is with us. He sees us. We can see Him. For He will reveal Himself to us please look us up online at the 1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.